good morning today is our february 6 2023 it's a black history month um even though like if you're watching the news it's saturated with um stuff happened around the country um and also i know they got different places you can learn about black history like tiktok in your school in your local center they got so many so many events happening all over the country but we're gonna go continue i'm gonna continue with time my series um black american and historic moments and key figure um cultural milestone from the african-american story and also you should check those two um two seriality done um years um last year and also um they get because of the what happened with um tyra nichols we get come article from the usa today i'm gonna read um for you guys events and as you know um first black american the story of black america goes back 500 years when the first captured africans were brought to the new world um the originals members of a burgeoning resilience community the first non-African to set foot on the North American soil were a group of enslaved people brought by the Spanish to present-day South Carolina from Santo Domingo, that's mean Haiti, in 1526 to found a new colony. They were brought as a part of the expedition that followed Christopher Columbus' first voyage, but Following a struggle for control, they set fire to the housing and fled to freedom among nearby Native American Americans. The Spanish too quickly flip, fled back to Santo Domingo and the precedents had been set for a long history of resistance and rebellion against oppression. The first surviving African in an English America were the 20th and odd Negroes, Angolan, originally captured by the Portuguese who came to Jamestown, Virginia on the famous voyage of 1619 as indentured servants. In fact, most early Africans in America were not actually enslaved. They were servants made to work unpaid for seven years to pay off their passage and upkeep. They were treated brutally but eventually were free to go with a real um, release payment and provision to start a new life. <laughs> and their indenture uh, ship was not lifelong or hereditary, hereditary like slavery. Those in, in early days a lively free black population owned farm grew wealthy and made major contribution to the young new nation fortunately life for those early african-american was tough but 
there's uh, there is evidence of surviving flourishing African arts, music, religion, culinary practices, trade, and financial system, and languages. They came with knowledge of agricultural techniques, medicine, technology that fundamentally shape America and the crops and the food. And staples in still in a place today. Many were urban Angolan who were highly educated and cosmopolitan. They were demanding freedom, shaping and contributing to American ideals. The first instance of lifetime slavery wasn't recorded until 1640 when an indentured servant, John Punch, was sentenced to a lifetime servitude servitude for running away from the 1660s a racial inherited slavery become more widespread and in 1990 and 1699 virginia deported all free blacks with those remaining enslaved through black american were an important free community that contributed to the beginnings of the u.s as the racism evolved, things began to change. Between 1690 and 1710, and the population of Africans in British colony tripled from 16,700 16, to 44,900. Through the slave trade just before the Revolutionary War, 22% of of the American population was black and mostly held in bondage. Oh, so I told you um, to start it. We uh, I saw an article on USA Today. Um, USA Today by. Um, Jessica Jervis and Jessica Goyon, Jervis, Rick Jervis, Jervis, and Jessica Goyon. Uh, let me see. Yes, it was on um, January 20, 31st, 2020. The, the, the title was System failure can reach beyond color. You know harder and question and avoid race and policing. Policing. It's a long sequence of high-profile death of black men at the hands of police and. The death of Tyra Nichols in, in Memphis share many of the same hallmarks and traffic stop that turned violence and outraged community and the crucial release of video footage. But the case was unique and in another way, all five police officers charged with murdering Nicole are African American and how the officer race will influence protesters in the street. And many future jury in the courtroom remain to be seen. 
but expert activists and attorney uh, told US Today that the risk of the officer involved is far less important than the risk of the victim. They say historically biased culture of policing put black people at risk regardless of an officer's race. Um, black people and black police officers can carry with them some of the same understandings or view of black people as white police officers might, said Ralph Richard Banks, law professor and faculty director of Stanford Center for Racial Justice. There's nothing that humanizes them. Nickel death exploded into national headlines even before Friday night when Memphis police released the graphic video footage from January 7. It shows officer trying to arrest Nicole at a red light. And red line and Memphis police declined to specify the reason for Hophill being placed on leave. Hophill has not been charged with the crime. Also, again, after pursue a nearby neighborhood officer at technicals, with paper spray, a teaser, a button, and punch and kicks, Nicole cries out for his mother as officers strike him. Then the prop in has a repeatedly slammed to the ground. Nicole was hospitalized in a critical condition and died three days later. Preliminary findings of an independent autopsy show Nicole suffering extensive bleeding caused by severe beating. Nicole's family, attorney, um, Bankrupt and Antonio Ramunzi said in a joint statement, all five officers were fired last week and have been charged with second degree murder and other crimes in connection to Nicole's death. Um, echoes of the Freddie Gray cases, echoes, black police officers have been accused of brutalizing and killing black people before. Three of the six Baltimore police officers charged in 2015 arrest and death of 25 years old Freddie Gray were black. Gray death touched off days of a rioting and looting and led to investigation by Justice Department. All six officers in that case were acquitted and had their charge dropped. If you go into the neighborhoods of Baltimore right now and ask whether the race of a corrupt untoward police officer matter, they will say absolutely not, said Malcolm Roth. A trial lawyer with Murphy 
Falcon and, Mur- and Murphy. The Baltimore law firm that um, represents the Gray family in civil lawsuit. Absolutely, it is the race of the suspect that matter most. He said, it's historically biased culture of policing that killed Nichols. One noticeable difference, Rob said, was the swiftness with which um, five officers were fired and charged with serious crime, while white officers in previous police-involved shooting may have been suspended with pay pending an investigation. It seems there is always a swift action when the officers are black, he said. That's very telling. Um, chief downplay role of race. Um, Memphis Police Chief Seraline C.J. Davis called the officer action incomprehensible and unconsciousness, unconscionable. But downplayed the role race play in the, the incidents, given that all five officers were black. It takes off the table that issues. And in problems in the law enforcement are about race, she told. It is not it is about human dignity and integrity, accountability and the duty to protect our community. And as this video will show you, it doesn't matter who is wearing the uniform, that we all have that same responsibility. So it takes race off the table. But it does indicate to me that bias might be a factor also in a manner in which we engage the community. Richard Robinson, president of Color of Change, an online racial justice organization, called Davis' remark deeply unfortunate. He said Nicholas Dev points out the system um, to systemic racial biases and inherent in policing networks that need to be ruled out regardless of the color of the officers. What this illustrates is that we do have a deep problem that is beyond black and white and it's about blue, he said. It's about the nature and the infrastructure of policing and in this country that every single day send a message answer is not so easy even as a police department have diversified and add more blacks officer they failed to put in place and enforce structural change needed to erase racist policing Robinson said on one of the questions um, that should be thoroughly investigated is the special specialized units to which the Memphis police officer belonged.
the so-called Scorpion team, which may have been acting with a little oversight, oversight and targeting community of color, said Heinz Meno of California-based Center for Police and Equity. That unit has been deactivated, Memphis Mayor James Strickland said Friday. We don't need to know the race of the officer to know we have five officers with no supervision in the community and asked to make to make cases, Minister said. This is what's slowly coming out here. Joanna Schwartz, professor of UCLA's School of Law and author of upcoming book Shielded, How the Police Become un- Untouchable untouchable and said saying the involvement of black officers takes race out of the, the equation overlooks the disparity and who was a victim of police brutality study after city has found black people are more likely to be stopped more likely to be searched more likely to be assaulted more likely to be killed i don't think you can say this is not about race because the officers are black she said there's nothing in our country that is divorced from issue of race. Neither is this. They got so many, many more articles I found, and um, this on that USA Today. Okay, um, we're still on, I'm still on the USA Today. This one for, from, it was Friday paper, February 3rd, 2023. This story is by Nicole, Nicole Carroll, an editor-in-chief of USA Today. The title was, um, this should be the enduring image of tyrant. So how do you want to be remembered when you're gone? And what is the lasting image like on leave with others? Those questions were waving on the USA Today News editor Jordan Curl for this week as a both directed arm and watched coverage of tyrannical beating and killed by Memphis police. He wanted reader to remember Nickel Nicola Joy of skateboarding flipping the board or has a soar over flight over stairs 
ascending the ramp and at sunset high-fiving a skating body after landing a difficult jump. I get very tired of the fact that the enduring image so often of black man murder is these sad, desperate, hopeless final moments, Calvin said. So thinking about Tyrannical, the enduring image for me right now is him propped up against that police car. He's crying out and you know, if we could do anything to shake that to just say there's more than just these final moments from these people that are just so important to me. So this week, in addition to coverage of Nicole's death, his funeral, and protests, cover made sure we had this story uh, from correspondence Chris Kenny on the Memphis skateboarding community morning one of its own. Kelvin has edited so many of these story, police shooting, mass shooting, disaster. He thinks often about how people might have wanted to be remembered, what version of their own name would, uh, would they have used, what image of them will be remembered by the people who knew them best. He thinks uh, Nick wanted a good one. They, Tyranical was a father, son, a photographer, a skateboarder. The picture we published with the skateboarding story is a close-up of Nicole with a confident gaze, white, small, crisp pink shirt, sweet vest blue, and strip tie. He's happy. It's a good one. What is your lasting image of George Floyd? Because we count the the underneath image of the whole and his mind of uh, all the murder black man and the first things I think about George Floyd is I'm always thinking about Derek Chauvin's knee on his neck Curvis said at uh, at the risk of sounding too real that haunts me I watched the video of Hakmet Arbery dying the enduring image that I have of him is him reaching out. It looks like he's trying to reach out for the gun to get it away from him. I really do want to make sure that we just give these people a chance to say there more than just these final moments. LeBron Hill is an opinion columnist for USA Today Network Tennessee. He was drawn to the skateboarding as well. Watching the coverage of Nicole has been difficult. And the only shred of joy he had gotten through the news coverage is knowing Nicole was an avid skateboarder. He wrote this week. I think about Nicole and smile knowing his expected fall and bruise didn't keep him from skateboarding. He said we all need Nicole to celebrate the story he chose to tell. The joyous skateboarder who was a beloved son. How should we handle photo of victim? And do we perpetrate our last image of people in the worst moments? What is our responsibility um, to the news as well as the person? And we hear from many that um, we need to show 
the graphic nature of some events to let our reader know that the full truth of the tragedy. Our visual guidelines uh, state in general, we do not show the moments of death, but be as accurate as possible to show the moments leading up. In cases like George Floyd, murder where a knee hole, a choke hole result in loss of life, we refrain from using content that goes beyond the points where victim has, has lost consciousness or lost their lives. For rare exception, the news value must outweigh the potential harm. USA Today visual director Andy Scott wants to take this further. While those guidelines um, address coverage of a person's death, there's a less uh, bright line on how to address that person's life. I don't think the concept on during image of victims, either from mass shooting or by police, is one of this one would we, we could um we could expand on on Scott said standard um editor I agree nothing our guidance constantly evolve and perhaps this area we should too. It is important that we we reveal the whole person, not just imaged from the worst time in, in their lives, and to also help our audience connect with them as an individual humans, and not merely as a face of an incident. Covers on the case he advocates um, for Nicole will continue to speak for others. He respects the importance of showing the news the truth, but you can counterbalance that with image of joy, with image of happiness, with the image of hopefulness. I'm always talking about, can we get a story of joy somewhere in our newspaper? Just seeing that the photo of him just looking happy, that can be a new engine image. Let's make sure that happened here, the image of Nichols, one more time. Confident gaze, why smile? He's happy. Also, the last story is um from the the same newspaper by Alicia Redding. This black woman's hair is about our identities. It's about hair. For black women, she wrote, and her hair can be a crown in glory an expression of pride in her appearance but it can also be something more something deeper something rooted in culture and in a complicated history so if you ask a black woman about her, her hair uh, be prepared to hear about more than dreadlocks and perms she might tell you about the beauty standard, about workplace culture, about the pressure of to assimilate. She might inform you that historically so-called good hair, example, straight hair has been prized within the black community. Does that mean that black hair and its natural tightly curled state is bad? She might share memories of not swimming or learning to swim because she couldn't risk getting her hair straight hair wet 
Uh, she might talk about the time a colleague, acquaintance, or stranger asked her to touch her hair, or did she did so without permission? Ask Debra Stanley put it recently. It's and just her hair. It's everything. My talk with Stanley was one of the several recent conversation I had with some South Bend area black women about their hair. There were discussions are mixed with laughter about trying in vain to avoid burn from the red hot threatening calm as a child. The talk sometimes took deep serious turns into uncomfortable situation at work because of having hair that was perceived as different. Conversation or controversies um, surrounding black hair aren't new, but my discussion were sparked in part by former First Lady Michelle Obama, recent assertion that she straightened her hair during her husband's tenure in White House because American weren't ready for her natural hair at, at the time. Obama's statement remind me of the time many years ago when my big sister in an early 20s was hired as a waitress. She wore hair in braids. When she interviewed uh, for the jobs, but after that she was hired, her employer told her that she had to remove the braid to keep the job. And also thought of the friends who after years of permings of relaxing straightening her hair went natural. The change was fascinating to one of her workers who attempted to touch her hair belatedly, belatedly asking for permission when my friend moved out of reach. For example, black hair is a big business. In 2018, black customers spent $473 million on hair products, which is 11.3% of sales for 4.2 billion hair care industry. Black women spend $1.0 billion annually on wigs, waves, and extension. From 2010, 2016 to 2018, black consumers spending on shampoo, conditioner grew, grew 12 to 2 percent and 12.2 percent and 7.3 percent, respectively. In the U.S., black consumers spend 18 percent of their annual income on hair care and beauty product alone. And also, 18 states have enacted a Crown Act, um, a law prohibiting discrimination based on their hair texture and hairstyles. But many black women in the U.S. face discipline or pushback for how they wear their hair. Okay. Obama's hair conversation also resonates with, with Stanley, executive director of nonprofit Imani United. She's a family with the pressure many black women have felt over the years to assimilate to strengthen our, our tightly coiled hair.
The standard of beauty um, was long flooring, blonde blowing in in the wind hair, she says. Stanley um, fell in love with the natural hair uh, years ago and wore her hair in a close crop style. But when she was a child, um, her mother would strengthen her hair with a hot comb. She burned my neck, forehead, everything else. Stanley recalled with a laugh. Her long, um, strengthened hair earned her plenty of attention, which Stanley didn't appreciate. I never liked my hair. I didn't want it strengthened. Even on its natural state, Stanley's hair had got noticed. When I had my first child, my hospital roommate was a young, quiet female, and her mother would come early in the morning so she could watch me pick out my hair. She was fascinated with my afro. I just never understood the fascination with hair. A long that Wilder Hilton has seen a range of reaction to her hair, particularly when she started wearing dreadlocks before many people were doing so. It took some time for people to get used to it. Wilda Hamilton remembers years ago when her no adult son was in the boy and girls club that the little girl there were love my natural hair. I remember one girl said she didn't even know what her natural hair was like because her mom had been pressing it. Wilda Hamilton wasn't offended um, when white acquaintances would ask if they could touch her hair. I tell them that they could, and I took it as a teaching mo- teachable moment to explain black hair. The new um, now retired Wilder Hamilton, who today wore a short afro, she said she she didn't um, have any issue with her hair in the workplace, but black women are 30% more likely than other women to receive a formal grooming policy and to be sent home due to the hair hairstyle in the workplace. In addition to 18 states have enacted the Crown Act create a respectful and open world financial hair act, a law that prohibits discrimination based on the hair texture and hairstyles. Angel Arch remembered the, the apprehension she felt when contemplating going natural as a part of health-related decision to avoid chemical. He started having anxiety about how how to be treated Will I get kicked out of certain projects and how will this impact my ability to go into a new workplace? I eventually come to the decision that I needed to do what was best for my health. Ash currently is a South Bend Community School Corps employee recall on an awkward moment during a meeting while working for a different employer. A colleague had passed out an individual gift bags which include hair care products not meant for the natural hair like hers. Ash, the only black woman at the meeting, felt extremely uncomfortable and tried to make light of the situation. She joked that she could probably give the brush to her son, who is multiracial and has different hair texture. Later that day, um, the colleague sent her as 
scathes an email telling Hesh how uncomfortable she made her feel. No Alex, no Alex, um, acknowledgement of his position that she put me in. None at all, as she recalled. She says part of the problem is a standard of beauty that failed to include black women. America has always wanted us to one way. Anything different is a big deal. It's put extra pressure on many black women to fit in, she says. We have a continuum of beauty, whether a woman is natural or not, she said. As who would call defending her hair choices at the time her hair was perm to another black woman i said isn't that the purpose of a feminism women's liberty is to choose so why would you want to take my choices away as she explained it's not just about the hair it's about our life it's about our ancestry it's about being our being our identity and that's a lot for anyone to carry around on the shoulder on the marriage of spirituality and sexuality and so grew into one of the America's most powerful art forms becoming forever ingrained in the nation's cultural identity. Soul is a broad tree with roots stretching deep into the heart of the African American experience. It can be Trace all the way back to the earliest Afro-American music, gospel, and blues to spiritual accompaniment um, to the lives of, of hardship that black people experienced from the earlier days of slavery. Right through the, the, to the Jim Crow era, while gospel emerged as a as a source of hope for a brighter tomorrow. Even if one had to wait for the afterlife to enjoy it, blues was a direct product of slavery and prejudice and cathartic um, outpouring of the misery, hardship, and pain so intertwined with the lives of America viciously oppressed on the class. Blues hard ones being played exclusively in the smoky, sweaty black drinking establishment dot, dotted along uh, dotted along the Mississippi Delta. They are virtuosos like Robert Johnson, stun audiences by hurling the sweaty finger across the guitars with 
remarkable musical proficiency and stunning emotional depth. However, as more black people immigrated to seek opportunity in the new cities, the genre soon traveled to hubs such as Chicago, where it adapted to the misery resulting from urban poverty. They is took um they is took on a new level as one acoustic musician like Muddy Water when electrics playing in booming bar for dancing audiences. Simultaneously, uh, other black musicians had taken tradition into an entirely new direction, pandering the genre of jazz, featuring large brass bands and syncopated um, rhythm. Musicians like Louis Armstrong gradually took white America by storm, to the point that white people began to appropriate this new genre for himself legitimizing it in the eyes of the white establishment. Um, the genre's success paved the way for race music to begin building an infrastructure and industry industry owned and maintained by black entrepreneurs. For black artists, training in training an entire generation of musicians, producer, songwriter, engineer, and talent. Even white rock bands were not heavenly inspired by black music, which had made the white corner of yesteryear early redundant. Food for Soul During the 1950s, a new generation of post-war musicians began to bring together the rapidly developing forms of black music, merging to melodies or gospel revival with the upbeat articulation of doo-wop and rhythm and blues giving rise to entirety the new genre soul. This new style was personified in the forms of upcoming musicians like Ray Charles and Sam Cooke ushering a new popular secular art form Emerging from Los Angeles, the blind Ray Charles took his influence from Charles Brown and um, and and. Not King Cole into the stratosphere, busting out the jazz, blues, gospel hybrid. Hits on such as the 1950s, What I Say, What I Say, before becoming one of the first black crossover artists with Hoggy, Carmichael, Georgia on my mind, and Percy Mayfield, Bad Burner, Hit the Road, Hit the Road Jack, Black Musician. Bobby Romark later commanded, Ray was the genius. He turned the world into soul music. Billboard magazine writer Jerry Raxler even coined a new term for Ray's music, dubbing its rhythm and blues. 
Charles had done the seemingly impossible bridging the sexual energy of the dance floor and um, spiritual energy of the church. Charles, what what I say was considered so obscene that it was banned in some part of the country. Even being described as a sacrilegious by some of the secularizing gospel music and adding a touch of innuendo, innuendo, innuendo. And despite breaking through the white America, the Queen's R&B Ruth Brown recalled. When the dance was over sometime, it was so scary. We wanted to get out of town as soon as we could. There were still crosses burning in the middle of the night. There was a price to pay for this music. Getting on in the action. For a while, black musicians such as uh, Lil Richard and Chuck Berry had revolution revolutionized the face of public culture and showed up the country's white musician in the process. However, artists once again began once again began to push black musicians out by appropriating the increasingly popular rock and roll rock and roll genre, which Charles differentiated as a rock and roll is a white version of rhythm and blues. There was a big difference if you really listen to the music between the two styles. Or one is more pure. One is more dirty. Um, R&B has got more toe jams and and it um in response to, he returned to his roots. I started taking my music and saying it's the way that I felt is the gospel sound that was part of my growing up. I knew all I was doing was being myself. Meanwhile, after a strings of hits with the soul stirrers, including Be With Me Jesus and Touch the Hem of His Garment, Chicago Ray's um, Sam Cooke soar the new height with the bomb Black Hole 1957 tune, You Send Me selling more than a million copies and you send me was a defining moment moment inspiring a whole generation of black musicians for for many uh, the world of soul is marked by the life before 1957 and life after it music writer peter garonlik garonlik explained you couldn't have the popular music we have today without the crossover from church to pop with the soul stirrer cooked tart and the work of black churches called the gospel highway for seven years it was a jarring life treated as a superstar in one breath and dealing with dangerous racism to the next bobby romack uh, remember sam was electrify the place where jam packed it was like hell his first day was coming sam cook crossover success was a milestones in the marriage of gospel, rhythm, and blues, rock and roll, while Richard stole his way through the song, Cochron, through a clean tenor voice, establishing himself as a general mainstay, has transitioned um, into the more socially conscious 1960s.
Comento 4 um, has the civil rights movement swell, so did the Black Pride movement, and it soon began to trickle out into culture and entertainment, while the staple singer, inspired by young, by young Bob Dylan and the charts themselves, were taken over by Barry Gordy Black Blackron Detroit record label, Motown. So groups like the Supreme, the Miracle, Martha, and Vandalize, and the Four Tops, Four Tops um dominated on um, the charts with their powerful lead vocals set against the beautiful harmony, Big Brass section, which um rich arrangement, um look luxurious melodies. However, amid um, the changing tides, Motown momentarily found itself out of touch with the pulse of America. Instead, it was up to Chicago Renaissance man Curtis Mayfield to tap into the public sentiment. Having um, already established himself as a singer, guitarist, songwriter, and arranger, he began to write about community struggle and racial harmony. His 1964 track, People Get Ready, held up a mirror to the zeitgeist of the time. People get ready, there's a trend of coming. You don't need to know baggage, you just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesel homing. You don't need to know tickets, you just think. Lord later going on to inspire Bob Marley, One Love, People Get Ready. Milfield explained that was taken from church or from the upbringing of messages from the church, like there's no hiding um, place and get on board. And image um image of this that sort of uh, i must have been in a very deep mood of that types of religious inspiration when i wrote that song as the genre grew it increasingly popular among white audiences and musicians it gave the way to a new genre dubbed blue-eyed soul so music performed by white people music magazine applied the term to white acts such as the Righteous Brothers and Tom Jones and husband and wife Duro, Sony and Cher. While some black station initially refused, refused to play these acts, some were able to break through, distinguish themselves from white performers who simply stole black music by carefully devoting themselves to studying and faithfully replicating the black genre. Through the 1960s, America's soul acts continued to innovate, uh, becoming increasingly political. This newfound purpose fuel Sam Cooke's pregnant, pregnant um, 1964 song, A Chance Is Gonna Come, which immediately became an anathema of the civil rights movement as, as it headed into his speak. Cook was inspired firstly by an incident when a hotel clerk turned him and his wife away from being black, and secondly by Bob Dylan blowing in the wings, which in turn drew its melody, 
and concept from the whole black spiritual no more auction block with Charlotte Khan just two weeks before the song's release was murder in Los Angeles. Motel is word reverberating on for forevermore as a call for justice and equality for the times of his death. Cook had amassed um, 30 top 40 singles blazing at 12 by forming his own publishing company and record label years before that was commonplace for black musician. He was also among the first to forego a slick, flattened cook hairstyle in favor of an afro. Together with some Motan Gordy, he had helped transition the, the industry into a vehicle for political change by helping to cross over the picket lines of racism, breaking into a venue and radio station previously reserved for white acts. Female Force, born in Memphis and raised in Detroit, Aretha Franklin began her second career in her father's church, where she caught the, the attention of John Harmon from Columbia Records. The same man was discovered a young Bob Dylan. After recording 10 albums in six years, she grew frustrated and moved to Atlantic Record, where her career finally blows on. Until the mid-1960s, the genre was dominated by male superstars. However, all that changed in 1967 when Franklin scored a stunning series of hits, including I Never Love a Man. The way I love you, do right woman, do right man, chin of fools, baby I love you, you make me feel like a natural woman. And the classic Otis um, writing the track, um, Respect, Franklin Seminole, I Never Love a Man, The Way I Loved You, was recorded at a producer's hall film studio in Muscle Shoals. Alabama and the same place another legendary lady Etta James recorded Tell Mama I Rather Go By. By the late 1960s um, the general had began to form a series of subgenre under the vision of Motown songwriter Norman Wilfield and Barrett Strong. The temptation started producing acoustically psychedelic soul. These tracks feature distorted guitar, multi-tracking drums and elaborate vocal arrangement and flowing across longer, more experimental structures. Originally um, recorded by the Undisputed Truth, the Temptation version of the Whitfield song track, Papa was roll a rolling. Stone began a sensation earning in Grammy. Meanwhile, another Motown rising star, Marvin Gaye, embodied the tumultuous spirits of the 1970s with his masterpiece, What's Going On, a concept album and about the veterans of the Vietnam War returning to an America riddled by hatred, poverty, and injustice. 
it is considered not just one of the finest soul album but one of the greatest record in all times By this time, Georgia singing sensation James Brown had pioneered his own unique sound, um, spearheaded by a masterful band, including the innovative guitarist Jimmy Nolan, Alfred P. Wee, Ellis on the alto sax, Marcio Parker on the tenor sax, Fred Woosley on the trombone, and the stratospheric Bootsy, Bootsy Colin on the bass has the scream and well his way through the thumping soon club was sparkly tight jumpsuit brand tripped head to the toe with sweat energy and sexuality from please 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 1956 through a papa got a brand new bag 1965 and say say it loud and black and i'm proud 1968 and he um he had grown increasingly confident in his own direction. By 1970, he stood at the front of a, an entirely new genre, funk, characterized by repetitive ryth- rhythmic section with an emphasized emphasis on the groove. Balance tracks were entrancing hypnotic powerhouses with section punctuated by wild immaculately coordinated on brass blasting breakdowns. He was trained in a general um, by former Motown songwriter Judge Clinton who went on to create the band's parliament and Funkandelic bringing together the styles of James Brown, Jimi Hendrix and Frank Zappa and on follow funk pioneer Sly and the Family Stone, Bootsy Collins would later go on to drain the ensemble who pioneered their own subgenre of P Funk. If James was drenched in sexuality, P Funk was ablaze with cosmic psychedelic creativity and with the bad with the band performing elaborate stage show inspired by acid culture and science fiction decades later clinton music would become a staple of the emerging hip-hop genre has a song were sampled by everyone from mc Ammer to snoop dogg inspired by g-funk general heralded by digital underground dr dre and warren g by the end of 1970 on the smooth um Sound of Philadelphia Soul Frontrunner, the Blue Notes on Delphonics and OJs had paved the way for a new genre. Uh, the broad strings and sharp bass, famously produced by Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, gave a rise to disco, emerging um, from the Black, Lat- Black Latino and gay community in the New York area before long. He took the nation by storm, immortalized in the film Saturday Night Fever. While music was set on to a new trajectory, Soul continued to endure, not just to his hip-hop and R&B genre of the 
1990s or 2000s uh, but also neo soul revival acts such as uh, Sharon Jones, Charles Bradley and Nashville Robert Finley and Shannon Shaw becoming ingrained with the very DNA of the popular music. Citizens and Freedom Rights um, has the civil rights movement gather peace. Gather peace. Um, peaceful protester devised a set of ingenious form of peaceful protest exposing the harsh reality of racism in America. In 1958, a group of uh, 13 black students and the teacher did the unfathomable. They walked into a major Oklahoma City drugstore and sat down, waiting to be seated. At the time, the city launched where Canada were, were still segregated by race, and this was considered a major taboo. Remarkably, when asked to leave, the group politely refused, and as the racists began spitting on them and pummeling them with punches and kicks. They quietly refused to yield after two days of abuse. One of the store employees relentlessly handed one of the children a hamburger. That's where's all, that was all it took. Two years later, on the February 1st, on the first February, four black college students enter a whites-only lunch counter at the local store in North Carolina and order a coffee, despite being refused, threatened, and intimidated. Um, they remained and simply waited to be served. Within days, they were joined by 300 students, whose presence effectively shut down the entire lunch counter. With heavy media attention fixed on the events, it grew into a national phenomenon inspiring a wave of citizens across the country, dismantling the system of racial discrimination one at least at a time has each quietly integrated their services. However, there were there was more work to be done, although the Supreme Court had already ruled its illegal to segregate interstate travel services. In practice, this had yet to be tested when, when a group of black freedom riders decided to see what happened when their boarding buses already carrying white people in Alabama on Mother's Day in 1961. They too were attacked with white racists hurling rocks, bricks, and firebombs at them. 
Later, some black and white passengers were better bloody when they strolled into segregated bus terminal together. Over the ensuing year, 400 volunteers trained in nonviolence enrolled in the Freedom Riders traveling across the South to draw attention to the inequality of and segregation that still plague much of the country. Those forms of peaceful protests were instrumental in building uh, momentum and support for the wider civil rights movement and culminating um, in the monumental Civil Rights Act of 1964 which would um, eradicate institutional segregation at once and for all. The campaign um, that um, changed America in, in the most segregated city in America, the civil rights campaign met a position that would not back down. The confrontation would come to define the movement. Prior to the Birmingham campaign, the civil rights um, movement had began to flounder in the face of black apathy and white indifference. The Albany, Albany movement of the late 1961 and 1962 had largely failed in the face of careful policing that employed um, the movement on principle of nonviolence. But after Birmingham, Birmingham campaign, what had been largely ignored, regional protests and commanded national and international attention, the city of Birmingham, Alabama was where everything changed. In 1963, Birmingham was one of the most segregated cities in the United States. Although the population was 40% black, no black people were employed in department store as a bus driver or worked for fire department or police force. The only employment available to them outside of black neighborhoods was manual labor or working as a house servant. The city downtown shopping um, area was also rigidly segregated um, with white only counter and toilets separated circle of blacks people in movie theater also on. The city government was firmly committed to racial segregation. When the court overturned the requirement that the city park be segregated and the city authority closed the park, the parks. And it was against this background that Reverend Fred Shallowworth, pastor of the Bethel Baptist Church, from 1953 to 1961 asked the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, the SCLC, to come to Birmingham to have the boycott. He was organizing locally against segregated businesses. As Shuttleworth said, if you win in Birmingham, as Birmingham goes, so goes the nation. The joint campaign began on April 
1963 with a sit-in in downtown white-only lunch counter. Martin Luther King Jr. and the CLC had learned from the past mistake to narrow their aim. Rather than desegregate um, the whole city, they wanted to apply economic boycotts and nonviolent protests at the city downtown businesses in the hope that local businessmen would then persuade the city authority to change their position to desegregate um, the segregation um, to that end they organized an economic boycott of downtown businesses and in response in response some businesses owner began taking down their quiet only notice notices however the city authority and particularly the commissioner for public safety Eugene Ball Ball Connor fought back cutting a food program and warning businesses that had desegregated um, that they will lose their license to trade. The, C, the SCLC knew that they needed to gain national attention for the campaign and in both corner they were confident they had found the man who will bring them that attention. A dedicated segregationist, Connor was not a man. To back down from a fight. When Klansmen beat up Freedom Rider in 1961, Connor made sure the police didn't arrive until the perpetrator had escaped. As he said to the press, we are not going to stand for this Birmingham and if necessary we will fill the jail full and we don't care whose toes we step on. That that was what kind of and CLC were counting on. They increased the nonviolent protests and with marches, kneeling, and segregated armed churches and citizens at the libraries and lunch counter. The aim was to fill the city jail with so many protests that the governmental machinery will grind to the halt. But much of the local black community was apathetic. Pathetic, um, while section of local black leadership were openly hostile. Convinced that the campaign would only inflame passion when Connor was due to retire from office soon. On on the 10th April, the city authority ob- obtained a court order against the protest and began arresting protesters. The protest on leader decided to defy the, the injunction, but they were running desperately short of funds with which to bail the arrested um, campaigners. Some of the order leaders suggested that Martin Luther King Jr. has the main fund- fundraiser for the campaign should leave Birmingham to tour the country raising funds so that the bail could be posted and those arrested released. After prayer alone in his room, King said, I don't know what will happen. I don't know where the money will come from, but I have to make a fifth act. On April 
On 12, on 12 April, Good Friday, 1963, King led a protest. March and was arrested and he held in sol solitary confinement. While in jail, he wrote his famous letter from Birmingham jail. King was held in prison until 20, until 20 April. The arrest on is the 13th um, in imprisonment of Martin Luther King Jr. had drawn national attention. Even the President John Kennedy had become involved. But to maintain the, the attention, the C, the SCLC had to increase the pressure on the city authority. To that end, they decided to up to the stakes and offer the most innocent members of the movement as an agent of nonviolent protest, the Shooting the World March. Letter um the letter from jail cell while it was being held in solitary confinement in jail, Martin Luther King read a copy of a newspaper date 12 April which contained an open letter from eight white clergymen entitled A Call for Unity, which criticized protests directed and led in part by our outsiders. Kim formulated a reply writing first on the margin of the paper, then on the scraps of the paper and finally finished on the pad supplied by his lawyer. The reply which became known as the letter from Birmingham jail such to explain and justify the principle and um, practice of nonviolence protest in the face of entrenched injustice. It is, kind, uh, it is King's longest and most sustained exploration of the belief that motivated him and um, the way in which he sought to apply them to answer the charge that he was an outsider, stirring trouble and bring mayhem. King wrote that he had been invited to join the protest and that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught out in the unescapable network of mutuality tied to a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. To answer the change that he was an extremist, Kim pointed out that Jesus himself had been seen as an extremist. So the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. Will we be extremists for hate or for love? King colleague it did this together the letter as it was smog out to, the, to them. Portion of it were published in, in May 1963 in New York Post Sunday Magazine. James Bevel, an SCLC um, organizer, had proposed the idea and after much hesitation, King had approved it. Many local black families were worried of the economic consequences of losing the family breadwinner to jail if they took part in the protest. 
but Breville was confident that local students were ready and willing to take on the mantle of nonviolent protest. Particularly um, after Iran Iraq and workshop for them, including how to overcome the all too all too real fear of police dogs. Soon these students would face this fear for real. On the second May, over a thousand young black people who had congregated um, at the 16th Streets Baptist Church began a march, a children's crusade um, into downtown Birmingham in defense of the city authority and court injunctions. Bull Corner was cut off guard by the size of the protest and ordered the police to make mass arrests. Over 600 were taken to jail. The city jail were now overflowing. What was more, national media had gathered in Birmingham to cover the event. A more level-headed man, man might have taken notes of this, but not Connor. When the next day, another thousand young people began to march toward the downtown, Connor ordered water cannon to turn on the marcher. These were high-pressure hoses, powerful enough to knock people flying and flaking from flesh. Then when bystanders call out against these tactics, Connor ordered that police dogs be sent in. The wedding photographer captured searing images of the German Shepherd dog attacking young black people who, to the principle of nonviolence, made no move to protect themselves. While reporters wire stories of the unrest of the national press, Birmingham had become front page news. Seeing the way the children had been treated, the local black community rallied behind the protest, which continued during the following week until the jail was so full that the non-enclosure at the state fairground were turned into holding pens. Businesses in downtown Birmingham came a complete halt. On the, 8th, on the 8th May, business leader agreed to desegregate, and on the 10th May, the city authority finally caved in, agreeing to bring an end to segregated toilets, drinking fountain, and lunch counter. The release and bail of the protester held in jail a plan to increase black unemployment. The response from the diehard segregated uh, Segregationist was violent, including bomb aim at killing King. And in reality, the city authority dragged their feet in implementing the the agreement. But the Birmingham campaign has succeeded in convincing President Kennedy that civil rights could no longer be left at the state level. On the 11 on 11 June 1963, he called for legislation to protect the rights of every American, regardless of the race of religion, that will become the Civil Rights Act of 1964. The landmark legislation that outlawed discrimination, and it was signed to law by Lyndon Johnson on the 2nd July 1964. Birmingham campaign had been triumphed.
um um the making an icon the single most iconic photograph um of the birmingham protest run across three column on the front page of the new york time on may 1963 show a young black had been attacked by a vicious police dog as a police officer hold the boy immobile the boy himself an attitude of calm and difference seemed to personify the ideal of nonviolent protest and that's what the photo appeared to show but it turned out that the photo was not was it seemed the boy in the photo Walter Goldson wasn't even part of the protest but had bunked school and wanted to see what was going on moreover Gatson when interviewed and has stated that rather than the police officer attacking him, he was trying to hold the dogs back. And when Gatson's parents saw the picture in the paper the next day, they were appalled that their son had cut glasses. Cut class. And Gatson was nevertheless arrested, and the photo taken by Bill Anson made him the unwitting face of the Birmingham campaign. Martin Luther King, the pastor, I believe, and nonviolence protest addressed the hundreds of thousands of people gathered in Washington, D.C. with these, these words, I happy to join with you today. What will go down in history has the greatest demonstration for freedom and the history of our nation. The date was 20th August 1963. While he spoke confidently, no one really knew how significant his role and the word he was yet to speak, sharing his iconic dream, would be in bringing it to life. The day events are known officially as the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom had been in planning since December 1962. In original focus are on unemployment among the black population had swiftly expanded to include the broader issue of segregation and discrimination and soon a program of speeches, song and prayer had been arranged, reflecting a powerful vision of racial equality. Dr. Martin Luther King, the man now synonymous with the match and arguably black history himself, was last on the bill. Proceedings started early, word of the match had spread far and wide. And at 8 a.m., the first of 21st charter train arrived in the capital, followed by more than 2,000 buses. 
than aeroplanes and all in addition to standard scheduled public transport around 1,000 people, black and white, pour into Lincoln Memorial every five minutes, including a number of well-known celebrities. which gave the marsh extra extra visibility. Charlton, Aston, Byrne, Lancaster were among the demonstrators, as was Marlon Brando, rendition in the electric cattle prod. A less than subtle symbol of police brutality and soon the speaker were preparing to give their speech to an audience of a quarter of the millions of far greater in number than 100 hoped for. The growing crowd buzzed with the hope and optimism, but on the current of unease also ripple through the throng against the backdrop of violent civil rights protests elsewhere around the country. President Kennedy had been reluctant to allow the march to go ahead, fearing an atmosphere of unrest. Despite the organized promise of peaceful protests, the Pentagon had raided thousands of troops in the suburb of nearly 6,000 police officers patrolled the area. Liquor sales were banned throughout the city. Hospitals stockpiled blood plasma and canceled elective surgery, and prisoners were moved to other facilities. Measures taken to prepare for the civil disobedience, many thought an inevitable consequence of the largest march of this kind in U.S. history. The headline speaker Martin Luther King, prominent activist, river pastor, and diligent president of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, had yet to finalize his speech despite retiring to bed at 4 a.m. The previous night, um, after long and wearied debates with his advis- advisor, the logistical preparations for the march were so burdensome. That speech was not a priority for us, King's confidence and speechwriter, Clarence B. John has since admitted It wasn't until the the evening before the march that seven individuals, including John, gathered together with King to give their input on the final remarks. It was John's job to take notes and turn them into a powerful address, and that would captivate the hearts and the minds of the nation. No mean feat, um, as everyone at the meeting had a significant stake. In a speech and wanted their voices to be heard, I tried to summarize the various points made by all of his supporters with Johnson's his book, Behind the Dream, which was not easy for us. Every compass points were ranging in my head. According to John's King, soon become frustrated telling the advisor I'm not going to up, upstairs to my room 
to cancel with my lord. I will see you tomorrow. No doubt, the magnitude of the task at hand weighed heavily on King's mind that night as he tried to rest. By this point, King was well-known political figure, but few outside the black churches and activism circle had heard him speaking publicly at length with the relatively newfangled television networks preparing to project his image into the the homes of millions. King knew that uh, it must seize the unprecedented platform for civil rights. When he was finally called to the podium, it was clear King placement on the bill had put him at an immediate disadvantage. An oppressive hot day was quickly draining the crowd enthusiasm. Many had already left the march in order to make their long journey home. A state of hard sound system had been brought for the day, but an act of sabotage before the events meant that the event with help for the US Army signal going fixing it. Some of the crowd struggled to hear the speaker, but the king was a man who had endured death threat, bomb scares, multiple arrests, prison sentence, and constant intimidation and his pursuit for equality. He would not be undone by unfortunate circumstances. Placing his type, yet scrolling cover notes on the lectern, King began to speak deftly. And passionately invoking the Declaration of Independence, the Emancipation Proclamation, and the U.S. Constitution early on. He gave a nod toward Abraham Lincoln Gettysburg address five score years years ago, and a quality iconic speech that hundred years previously set down to then President vision for human equality. King used rhythmic language, religious metaphor, and repetition for a phrase at the beginnings of each sentence. One hundred years later. He cries, highlighting Lincoln's failed dream. We cannot be satisfied, he says, declaring that America has given the Negro people a bad check. Jones, Ratchet King, captivated the crowd, breathing a sigh of relief. A pleasant shock came over me as I realized that he seemed to be essentially resetting those suggested opening paragraphs. I had scrolled down the nights before in my hotel room. He revealed behind the dream, then something and scripted happened. During a brief pause, gospel singer Mahalia Jackson, who had performed earlier that they shall tell them about the dream, Madden. King pushed his notes to the side and stood tall in front of his audience, just sensing that was about to happen told the person next to him these people out here today don't know yet but they are about to go to church in a heart King had done away his formal address and began to preach from his heart his vision his dream which came to a present legacy that will change civil rights forever 
I have a dream, he said on one of the speech most famous line, that my followers Chun will once they live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of the king's skin, but by the contents of the character. Mmm, she remarked Walker White, another king's advisor, using the dream, what had previously advised him to stay away from his dream rhetoric. His child tried its cliche. He used it too many times already. He wanted ending one ended king. I'd used the refrain on several occasions before and at fundraiser and rally, but cr crucially, in the day before mass media, he had not been publicized to the million watching on television and in person. The speech was as original as they come. When King had talked about his dreams before, he had been generally well received, but certainly hadn't been groundbreaking. This time, however, it was different. Thousands upon thousands of listening voices cry out in approval and unity. The king's final line, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last, was met with a rapturous standing ovation from the enormous crowd. King's speech was a defining moment in African-American history and the fight for civil rights. Though he was extremely well known before he stepped up the lectern, Jones wrote, he had stepped down on the other side of the history. Even President Kennedy, no mean orator, orator himself, reportedly turned to an aide and remarked, he's damn good. However, the cloud of King's address was not entirely positive. The Federal Bureau of Investigation was wary of King's activities and his director, Edgar Hoover, considered King to be a dangerous radical. Two days after the march, FBI agent William Sullivan wrote a memo about King's increasing sway. In the light of the King's powerful demagogic speech yesterday, he stand head and a shoulder above all other Negro leaders put together when it's come to influencing great masses of Negroes. We must mark him now, if we have not done so before, as the most dangerous Negro. In this nation, from the standpoint of communism, the Negro and the national security. From this point on, King was targeted as a major enemy of the U.S. and subjected to extensive surveillance and wiretapping by the FBI, according to Marshall Friday and his biographer Martin Luther King Jr. Alive, the FBI even sent King intercepted recording of his extramarital effort, the thing the veil attempt, came to believe to intimidate and drive him to suicide. It seemed incredible to believe that, but contemporary criticism not only came from the establishment, but from King's peer, civil rights activist and author Anne Moody, 
made the trip to Washington, D.C. from Mississippi for the March Every Call. I sat on the grass and listened to the speaker to discover we had dreamer instead of leaders leading us. Just about every one of the them stood up, they are dreaming, my little thinking went on and on talking about his dream. I sat there thinking that in Canton we never had time to sleep much less dreams. Human rights activism Malcolm X also famously condemned the march as well as Dr. King's speech himself, allegedly dubbing the event the forest on the Washington. He later wrote in autobiography, who ever heard of angry revolutionary swinging the bare feet together with the oppressor and Lilil Lipadpole with the gospel and guitar and I have dream speech. Whatever some of the critics might have said, though, there was no doubt that King's speech singled him out as a leader. His oration has been lauded as one of the greatest of the 20th century, earning him the title of Man of the Year by Time magazine, and subsequently led to him receiving the Nobel Peace Prize at the time he was the youngest person to have been awarded the honor. Most importantly, though, both of the march, King's speech initiated debate and paved the way for genuine and tangible civil rights reforms, putting racial equality at the top of the agenda. The Civil Rights Act in 1964, landmark legislation that outlawed discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin was enacted less than a year after King shared his dreams. Halfway through the speech before doing away with his notes, Martha Luther King declared to his thousand of brother and sister in the crowd, who cannot walk alone, that he spoke from his heart in such a poetic and unrepentant way. And should that in the coming years nobody did. Gandhi, Gandhi influence while the two never met, King derived a great deal of inspiration from Mahatma Gandhi, success in nonviolent protests, and so on in 1959, made the journey to Bombay. Now Mumbai, 
King and his entourage were greeted with a warm welcome. Virtually every door was open to us, King later recorded. He noted that the Indian people loved to listen to the Negro spirituals, and so his wife, Coretta, ended up singing to crowd as often as King lectured. The trip affected King deeply. In radio broadcasts made on his last night in India, he said, since the being in India, I'm more convinced than ever before that the method of nonviolence resistance is the most potent weapon available to oppress people in the struggle for justice and human dignity. The long road to civil rights in America. 1619, first known slave, the first known instance of African slavery in the fledgling English colonial America is recorded. 1712, New York Slave Revolt, a group of 23 enslaved Africans killed nine white people. More than 70 blacks are arrested and 20 subsequently executed. After the uprising, the law governing black people are made more restrictive. 1780, a minor victory, Pennsylvania become the first state in the newly formed United States to abolish slavery by law. In 1790 and 1810, manumission of slave, slaveholder in the upper South free, the slave following the revolution and the passage of free, black rise from 1% to 10%. 1863, Emancipation Proclamation, President Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, proclaimed the freedom of blacks still in slavery across 10 states around 3.0 million people. 1865, Black Codes. Black Codes are passed across the United States, but most notoriously in the South, restricting the freedom of black people and condemning them to low-pay labor. 1964 Civil Rights Acts on one of the most sweeping pieces of equality legislation seen in the U.S. and the Civil Rights Act prohibited discrimination of any kind and gave federal governments the power to enforce desegregations. In 1991, a strong act, President George Bush finally signed the Civil Rights Act 1991, which strengthened existing law, rights law, but only after two years of debates and v- vetoes. And the first black, 2009, first black president Barack Obama sworn as the 44th president of the United States, the first African-American in history to become U.S. president. What you need to know about the language of the speech, Dr. Catherine Brown, head of the faculty and associate professor in English at New College of Humanity, London, and the speech derived its power from a combination of disparate elements. One on one on hand, it is addressed to a particular time and place and emphasize um, this fact, um, the situation is, is urgent. That is the time change must happen. 
On the other, the speech is done with allusion to the Bible for national American documents and speeches. And King is explicitly saying that the Emancipation Proclamation is a back check that has yet to be honored in regard to the Negro people and the speech called on that check to be honored. The other texts um, he referred to were not written uh, by black people, but by using the phrases and rhythms, he is asserting his place and the black person place in the cultural, intellectual, and political tradition that they are part of it. In his way, words is not allowing himself to be separate but equal. Beyond the rhetoric of all these American texts is that of the King James translation of the Bible and the rhetoric of ancient Greek and Roman orator. Both empire and the author of the Bible are multi-ethnic, white supremacy would have been foreign to them. The paper, the newspaper around the country brandish mixed headline following King's speech, while many reported on the march orderly peaceful nature. Several complained of the event's effects on traffic and transportation and transport in the area. Other perhaps deliberately gave the march only a few column inches, referring to as a racial march, rather than a call for equality. The front page from Eugene Register. God reflect the apprehension that fell by many the time massive Negro demonstration only the beginning. It's somewhat scare mongering implying the US should be fearful of the black population. This triple line no evidence of any effects on Congress. Meanwhile it seemed to purposely undermine the efforts of those involved in the march. King's speech by number um, 11. Time King say to the word dreams 11 times. 17 minutes the length of the speech. 20 hours spent on the bus by many traveling to March. 100 buses arrive per hour by 8 a.m. 5,900. 5,900 police officer on duty 250,000 people at the march Kennedy and King. Um, Kennedy never publicly endorsed any political candidates, but he did reveal in 1960 that he felt that Kennedy would make the best president. Many claim Kennedy owned his presidency to Kings after securing his release from prison following the protests in Atlanta, Georgia. The gesture that helped gain a large proportion of black votes. But when the pair discussed the possibility of a second emancipation proclamation Kennedy was slow to act.
Kennedy was caught up between opposing forces on one side is belief in equality and all the and the other a preoccupation with foreign threats such as the communism. The speech um the speech legacy um despite the success of the king's speech um his address was largely forgotten afterwards due to the speed of the subsequent events and the king's increasing delusionment with his dream. He said that he had turned into a nightmare, according to William P. C. Joe, author of the March of Washington in the mid nineteen sixties. Most people would not have said it was the most powerful speech ever. King's assassination led to the nation of the rediscover his speech. Yet remarkably, Fuller's speech did not appear in writing until 15 years later when a transcript was published in the Washington Post. The original copy of the speech, currently owned by George Reveling, the 26 years old basketball player, had revolutionary at the last minute as a bodyguard during the march after King's speech asked him if he could have his million notes, his notes. Raveling had been offered as much as $3 million for the original copy, but he said he has no intention of selling it. African-American stories undeniably one of the hardest pain and struggle. However, it is also one filled with resilience, creativity, innovation, and hope. In Black America, we aim to tell that story through the timeline of the historic events, significant figure, and cultural milestone that have come to represent the Black American experience over the page. Will discover fascinating features on the events of the civil rights movement, the birth of the soul music, and African American involvement in World War II, how black athletes broke down the racial barrier in the U.S. sport, the origin of the BLM movement, and much more besides.